from Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 371. Andrew with you once again, I am Andrew in the Forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host is Derek, you also know him as Deep3 in the Forum and Deep384 on Twitter. Uh, how are you going this week, Derek? Oh, it's not going too bad, uh, happy to be here again. Um, keeping busy, um, modding-wise, I've been getting into it a little bit more lately and, and just trying all the, the great mods that the community is putting out. I just saw that somebody released or is releasing a 87-88 roster, for, which is a great season for the NBA, for NBA 2K21 PC. And um, I'll definitely be trying to get my hands on that. I almost wish they had done 86-87, though, because if they had, they would have gotten a year, the last year of Julius Irving. Um, his last season was 86-87. Indeed, yeah. But... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Maybe I'll even try to make a few faces for the roster uh, because I've been getting a little bit more into that. And then I've also been working here and there on the NBA 2K19. I made a Charles Jones face um, for the NBA NBA 2K19 retro season rosters, which those guys are just doing an unbelievable job. Again, I can't – honestly, I can't thank them for their work enough um, – my brother and I started a season recently on that game. I'm um, using the 89-90 roster, and it's just a lot of fun. I, I do love retro season rosters. Um, just just something special about being able to go back and play an old season with new technology. I mean, even back in the days of 2004, 2005, when we were making some retro rosters there, and certainly those games look primitive now. I mean, now we're, make, we're making 2005 season rosters on even more advanced games. But it's, it's something special about being able to do that, because... Even a game, even late 90s seasons, I mean, those games, a lot of those games do hold up very well, and I have a lot of nostalgia for them, and I can go back and play them, but there are limitations, obviously, and to be able to play full multi-season play and and just with the modern mechanics, it's something very special, and I I really do love the retro season rosters. I want to get into those projects myself, I I just need to... uh, really stop being lazy and, and get onto some of the ro- and finish up these roster projects I want to make and, and try and get into these other ideas. You're, uh, you know, you, you've been very productive with the faces. It's, uh, it's inspiring to me, but I'm unfortunately, I've just been so lazy, so lethargic lately, unfortunately that I haven't been able to get the progress done, but uh, modding is addictive, as you know. It's, it's really tough to get going. Um, when, and it's also easy to become lethargic and and um, and like kind of blah. It, it's it's tough to start new things sometimes, like it really is. And I know that one of my brothers. Um, that's one of the reasons why he hasn't gotten into like cyber faces and stuff, even though he has interest in it, is because he has this um, this kind of no. It is almost like a fear of starting new things, but it's like like a once he gets going, he's fine. But it's it's just getting it's it's getting that um, that start and learning the tools and um, there's just a lot of different things that you have to learn in order especially if you're if you're new to that to that aspect of things but yeah I I'm having fun with it um, that Walter McCarty I put out I'm actually pretty proud of because he's a tough guy to make Walter uh, yeah it's just I'm really happy to have like we haven't had Walter McCarty. Um, officially in a game since 2K17, and he wasn't even officially in that one. He was just in the files. Um, so it was nice to get him in to 2K21. But, yeah, the, the thing about the retro roster projects, and this is why I... And I, you saw me talking about this on Twitter recently, where 
somebody goes, you know, somebody said, I can pay for a mod, like, and they show the space, they go, you know, find me a face like this out there um, that's free. And do these people not understand that these retro roster mods and these full roster mods not only have a face that's comparable or better than the face that he showed, but the rosters are loaded with mods. Mm. The rosters themselves are loaded with mods. They are loaded with all of this artwork, courts, stadiums, faces, jerseys, um, body edits, logos, all of that stuff. Like, that's why that's why roster mods are will always be king, right? Absolutely, because and you know how I feel about charging for mods. Loaded with art. You know, you know how oh, I feel. Oh, I know about how you that. feel. About yeah. that. But the point is, is the point I was trying to make is, is you know, those two K nineteen season mods. Um, the two K seventy seven mod is free. I haven't looked at it. I've seen the screenshots. It looks wonderful. It looks really good. Um, and you know my roster mods, and then mods that came out for two um, K eighteen to update it, and some for two K twenty and Thunder Shacks mods. All of that stuff is free, and all of that stuff has thousands. All of those rosters have thousands of art files and mods that come with them. So yeah, somebody out there can charge for a face. That's great. You know, you charged for a face, and it's a good quality face. Fine. But how about all of that amazing quality that's in that in the in the thousands of mods that are in these roster mods? Absolutely, yeah. So that's the point I want to make about it. You know, I, I just I, I'm really happy to see that the community is still producing free work. Indeed, indeed. right? And, yeah, and, it's such and a high quality. Yeah, yeah, and, and in such great quality and stuff like that. So I applaud the community. Um, doing just that and I, I do want to get those projects finished i think my big problem is i'm also doing three articles a week and on top of the podcast so and day job as well so i think what i really need to do what what my plan is is to schedule about a month of articles because I, I have more than a month of articles drafted it's just a matter of getting them edited and, and sh- put, set aside the time and edit and schedule them put them up on the site and screenshots and everything as uh, the appropriate screenshots i just need to get a, about a month's worth of uh, of articles just in the in the can, prepared, edited, and scheduled, and then I can just uh, turn my attention to modding for about a month. I'd love to do that, so I think that's what I'm going to do. You know what I would do is, uh, and I and it's the same advice. Well, not really. I mean, you know your way around the the form and stuff, but it's the same thing that I said to the gentleman who said, you know, I I haven't modded since NBA Live in the '90s. <laughs> yeah. And he said, um, you know, you know, where do I start? And myself and somebody else said, basically, pick your one desired goal and just attack that. And that's the way you start. So if you want to get into faces, like cyber faces, um, then spend that month learning cyber faces. And by the end of that month, you'll just be so much more comfortable with the tools and the file structures and how to move files in and out of the, um, you know, the modded folder. And you'll understand all of that stuff that I think by the end of that month, you'd be in pretty good shape. Um, I mean, for me, it's rosters. Yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. It's just the uh, the effort of creating the players and working on all the fiddly bits of the attributes and uh, tendencies and whatnot. That's the, the big thing. And also... The uh, made it easier for people, but, you know, that's also a crutch that I think people use too much. But, indeed. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. For, yeah. But, no, I'll put in the effort because I want to get this, this stuff done and... Uh, you know, I have quite a few ideas that I like to make, but 
you know, I mentioned this when I talked about making that those custom rosters, and I made that historical team roster, that kind of minimalist historical uh, team roster for the Xbox 360 version of Live 06, just messing around with that one. That was my uh, retro kick for a little while there, about a month or so ago. And uh, I realized, and I said this when I wrote the, the Monday Tip-Off article about losing all of that because of that, uh, what I'm going to call the Eric Strickland bug, in the, which was really, really, really weird, but uh, there you go is that when you want to have a, a palette cleanse for, for modding, have a, a smaller project in mind. And I do have a couple of smaller things in mind because I can make uh, logo updates and things for old NBA Live games, Live 2005 through to 08. I know how to do that. And uh, I've also been looking into using the... Uh, uh, Sticky Fingers got the uh, the gold standard jerseys and the uh, Valentine's Day jerseys out of NBA Live 10 for me, the textures. And so I'll be able to basically import them into live 2005 to 08 it's just making them line up properly with the shorts so yeah i've got some things to go on with and i think that's going to be the better palette cleanser instead of having to start a brand new roster because rosters as you know that the first bit when you're just preparing that roster and you're moving the players around that goes really really quick and then it comes time to create players and do all kinds of all, all the fiddly bits and that's when you get distracted yeah i've gotten to the point where all the art was in place and the team looked great and i'd put off like finishing the players on the team like all the attributes rating sentences for like a week i put it off for a week because i'm like i don't want to do this right now it's a it's the most tedious part because it's what the i mean shiny that's what i'm doing yeah yeah right. right um but then i would do that after but i would love to see you on the newer games i've, I've thought about it some of the newer games you yeah. know it's, it's so what do you do I, i've thought about the the nba jam roster because that's one you can do it's basically modifying the ratings and just and just making a jam style roster which is uh, we, and, and jam style rosters don't always work in five v five or street rosters for that matter, but it, it's something different, and uh, I'm sure it would find an audience. You know, I was thinking about this, and I think I mentioned it to you before. Um, there is a way to manipulate the animations and change things. They've changed player speeds, how they move. I know that Michael V. Lots had a mod for it, and I know that NBA Two K fourteen, you know, they were able to edit the animations. Just one animation edit, if somebody could figure it out to make players jump where their waist is at the rim on dunks. And there you have your NBA jam mod for sure. Right. Yeah. You have that, that, that just that one animation fix to make the players jump that much higher and maybe put a fireball in there or something like that, or a different colored ball. And you play with that ball during the game. I mean, that would be cool. I, I would, I would absolutely try, uh, try that mod out. I'll keep it in mind. I'll keep it in mind. I, I do want to finish up my business with 2k 11, because uh, you know, that's just been going on for years now, unfortunately, and through multiple seasons. And man, I'm going to get it finished one day, and then be able to actually continue it on. And I'd I'd love to make that roster open source as well, because as as much as time is an effort that I put into it, you know, we've, we've had a lot of people, and, and even myself back in the day, very much hoarding the rosters and saying, no, you you can't use this as a base and everything. I, I want to change my thinking on that. I say, I want to say, as long as you you know, for current rosters at least, if you want to take this and, and make edits, as long as you give credit to me and anybody else's work you're using, uh, that's fine. I, I, I'm wanting to take a very different approach than I have in the past, but I'll get there get there someday, and, and I'd also like to try those other projects as well, but it's, it all comes down to time, and, you know, what once you do get on, we are in our mid-30s, obviously, Derek, and it's, you know, our other responsibilities, house hunting, work, um, you know, beyond everything else we're doing in the community as far as our content, you know, it, it's all time, and time is a commodity. It really is. Uh, I did want to make a point, though. There's something amazing about the closure of finishing a project. There's oh, yeah. Something oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, 
I mean, when I released V3 of the Ultimate Classic Teams roster for 2K17, I can't even tell you the weight off my shoulders. Um, it was just a great feeling. And now I, now I have a really great base if I ever wanted to jump into V4, but I don't have to make a V4. It's just nice that I was able to get that full release out there. There's just a lot of closure that happens, and it's fun. You know, I, it's um, really good feeling. I have a Friday Five idea where... I, I talk about what-if scenarios and make a roster, a minimalist roster for each game based on that season, like a roster for 2001 PC, for example. It has Tim Duncan, what if he joined Grant Hill and uh, Tracy McGrady in Orlando? Uh, that's something you could really just whip up very much, you know, just moving a couple of players around in the roster and creating a scenario, and I'd release a roster for those games with that with that article, with the Friday Five article. So something like that is, is something I'd, I'd like to do, and of course... You know, shout out to Nate. He's uh, invested in NBA Live 2001 PC. I know he's trying to get it to run now, and hope you have success in that because I know you've been playing it on PS2, obviously. So, yeah, maybe that's something he'd like to uh, dig into. Well, I told you, uh, I've been still trying to get a Windows Vista PC mm. uh, in order to be able to run all of the old games. But, like you said, it's almost like it's very rare. It's 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 like uh, antique now. Yeah. Um, Finding one has not been easy, and I've messaged a couple people on eBay who had who had Windows uh, Vista PCs for sale, and they haven't gotten back to me. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, that's that's retro gaming. You know, it's it's unfortunately as technology moves on, the uh, backwards compatibility is not there. You can go back and listen to our our, uh, our show about that with um, Sony having that. Uh, you know, the head of global sales, Jim Ryan, not not uh, not being in favor of that. But uh, yeah, that's a whole other. All of the debate that you can go back and listen to, but as far as what we're going to be talking about this week, a little bit of potential NBA Live 22 news, Derek, and also, well, certainly hints at it, and also shot aiming in NBA 2K21 and possibly 2K22, uh, two very pertinent subjects for the community. Yeah, I mean, NBA Live 22, how many episodes have I said that I think they're going to release one? Um, I, I had a feeling that they've been working on this and I still am predicting that we get an NBA live 22 release. Um, they haven't canceled it yet. And I feel like we would have already gotten the cancellation notice, um, by now. So fingers crossed, but yeah, that's my opinion that we're going to be getting it. And as far as shot aiming, I have my own feelings about that. Um, but I think my feelings on it are more reflect the fact that I don't play online, right? So my experience with shot aiming, and I'm just like, oh, well, I can just turn shot aiming off. So I go in and turn it off. <laughs> um, other people don't have that option, and I don't have to deal with cheaters. Exactly. Because I'm playing yeah. off. That, so, that, is the, yeah. uh, that is the issue that we'll be getting into shortly. But let's start out by diving into this NBA Live 22 we say news, it's, it's barely news, it's barely a rumor, but it's we'll latch on to anything right now because we do want to see NBA Live 22 or certainly NBA Live come back strong. And, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've had a game. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had a game that can really compete with NBA 2K. And we've talked on many occasions, you know, discussed on many occasions, the need for competition in the basketball gaming space, in, in the sim space. So with that in mind, uh, the EA playtesting account, of course, uh, on Twitter is always putting out uh, notices about playtesting sessions where you can register and, and be a playtester for upcoming EA games. Uh, all people are always uh, responding to it and asking questions about how they can have sessions in their in their area or also about some of the games. And, and look, they, they don't give too much away because obviously they don't want to and they're not supposed to. But uh, somebody did actually reply to one of the 
one of their tweets and asked about NBA Live 22, and the account responded with, oh, sorry, it was one of these games, NBA Live 22, and the playtesting account responded with the uh, eyes emoji, you know, the, the look emoji. And like anything else, Derek, it, it got people talking. And it should. I mean, there is a lot of people out there that want to see NBA Live 22 come back. I mean, that NBA Live come back and come back this year. Um, they'd be dumb not to. I, I really, I've said that before. So, yeah, I think it's um, it, it coming from that official account means something. Uh, them actually responding to that in a positive way to that question means uh, possibly means something. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think that this has been in the works for quite a while. Uh, remember, we haven't had a release since NBA Live 19. Um, you know, now we're in 2021. I mean, it's time. If they're going to come it back, it, yeah. it, it, it's time. So. Like you say, it's interesting that they did, what catches your attention is that they did respond to it. And look, it, it's just something they can do to get people talking. You know, it, it's not like companies do these things and then let people down. I mean, that's certainly a thing that happens, unfortunately. And, and of course, it's, it's very easy to read too much into a tweet that is little more than an emoji, a little more than an image. But like you said, the fact that they actually acknowledged that specific tweet and responded to it, kind of like just giving any kind of acknowledgement to it, any kind of credibility to the idea of somebody talking about NBA Live 22, when they could very easily ignore it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that they wouldn't have made the moves for Scott O'Gallagher to come on board like I said, for NBA Live Mobile, they wouldn't have had those job postings out there around the same time for community managers and, and whatnot. Uh, we haven't seen a new community manager out there, but uh, I think once this kicks off and they announce the release, you're going to see that person, whoever it is, um, and they'll be out there. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's exciting. We'll see what happens. I think the, the thing is, is they can't come out flat in any way. And the marketing needs to be on point. It, it does. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, it, it's, a, it's a broken record. I know we sound like that, and we've touched on it so many times, but it is just so important that the comeback is strong, that it looks, well, what is now current gen, if you, if you want to say next gen, current gen, that it looks like it belongs on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, slash S, and, and hopefully PC as well. But certainly it needs to look, it, it can't look like an Xbox 360 doled up you know that, that that generation it can't look like a slightly better version of a, a 360 ps3 game which some people have said that the last generation of live did and it's it's kind of selling it short but it's not inaccurate either totally inaccurate certainly when people say it's ps2 graphics that's a step too far but certainly yes a 2k did a much better job of making that leap onto the the last generation when it was the next generation or the current generation whatever you want to call it but it needs to look modern it needs to impress that way it needs to make that for from the, from the moment we see actual gameplay even if it's from cinematic angles and which will not tell us about ai and things like that but it will say this is what the game looks like it will tell us that much so it does need to impress from its first impression basically and, and also then when we see the game it needs to have all those features that it's been missing for for over a decade and the depth that's been missing for over a decade because without it it's okay it, you know it's, yes this is another base game to build on but they've been away for a couple of years it's a new generation they've been dragging their feet on bringing a lot of things back they've had the quote-unquote streamlined franchise experience that was absolute garbage um it, it just they just can't do that anymore 
It, it needs to impress in every way possible. Does it, is it going to be as deep as 2K? Probably not. Is it going to have all the historical content? Definitely not, because it, they don't have the rights to all the players. Michael Jordan for one. But it still needs to have... It, it needs to blow people away, frankly. It, it can't be another... It can't just be potential. It can't be trust the process. It needs to be a contender right now. Hey, come to PC and we'll we'll get Michael Jordan in there. Don't worry. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or give us a fantastic creative player feature. We'll get Michael Jordan in there. Mm. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll get him in there. But, yeah, the thing is, is um, with live, authenticity is sorely missed in the most recent games. Um, I've said it so many times before. I use the Siakam Duran example where they feel basically the same outside of their signature shots on the floor. Um, they need to bring up, bring size ups back, which I think um, that's probably going to be a given. Um, and they need to bring the authenticity back. But like you said, graphics matter, man. Like if you look back and look at NBA Live 14 next to NBA 2K14, who was which game wowed more from a graphics standpoint? Mm. The, the, you know the, the I mean? CGI trailer yeah. came out for Live 14. People were like, oh, you know, this looks pretty good. And then 2K14 dropped the OMG trailer, and it was over. It was over before... Right, exactly. Yeah, before even 14 came out and we found how clunky it was on the sticks, it was over as soon as we saw that OMG trailer and saw that is a next-gen game. Right, you've got to keep up with the technology. And the thing is, is that um, graphics do not matter as much when it comes to being on the sticks, but from a marketing aspect... It really matters. It does, yeah. Uh, as far as if somebody looks at NBA Live for um, 22 and they see a video and they're like, man, this doesn't look as good as I wanted it to, to look. I'm not going to look up any more gameplay. I'm done with Live. I'm not going to look up any more gameplay videos. And then they look at, at a trailer for NBA 2K22 and they're like, oh, man, you know, 2K's bringing it again, etc. Which one are they going to buy? Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. So. It's just so important from a marketing perspective, even more than from, you know, an actual gameplay perspective, if, because it, they want people watching these videos and looking at the game and being wowed and want to buy the game. If that trailer, if the first look at Live 22 that we'll hopefully be getting sometime this year, if that comes out and people look at the aesthetics and say, this looks like NBA Live 09 on 360, and that animation looks like it was in NBA Live 2004, it's, it's going to flop. You know, and it could be a pretty solid game still, you know, all things considered. But it's not going to wow people. It's not people are not going to pay attention, as you said. They're going to dismiss it, and maybe it's dismissing it out of hand. But at the same time, it, like you said, graphics matter. The first bite is in the eye, as they say. You know, when when somebody plops down a a, a plate of food, a, a fantastic meal at a restaurant, if it's not aesthetically pleasing, you know that, that that's that's part of it. It's 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 all about the presentation. Well, that's one of the reasons why I hate shepherd's pie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> shepherd's pie. You put, throw that down in front of me. I'm looking at that. I'm like, these foods should not go together. This does not look good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to eat it. Are, are you saying NBA Live is the uh, shepherd's pie of basketball gaming? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying in the past, there's been games where NBA Live has been the shepherd's pie of the basketball gaming mm. industry. Yes. Um, well, welcome no, to the but, food hour here on the MLC podcast, where we compare basketball right. games to uh, culinary delights. Right, and then you don't you, you don't like grow to like the look either. Like it's not like you put it's up not with like it, a yeah. few years down the road. I get that same plate put. I'm like, hey, this looks pretty good. Like these foods <laughs> should go together. No, that's not. No, um, no. But so, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, I think NBA Live, like you said, the thing is, is that 
when and this is one of the things about them saying you know there's play testing you know i'm curious what they're going to do when they when they market the game for the first time when they actually um start promoting it what are they going to promote first are we going to get like a trailer or uh, like a gameplay trailer are we going to get a bunch of developer blogs first or a bunch of commentary first are we just going to get screenshots um the way they come out is going to be important i mean first they just got to come out first indeed like, that's like you got to get out there um I, I, I think they need to go full blast I, I think that needs to be those teaser screenshots a few uh videos highlighting raw gameplay and maybe showing off some mechanics or new animations and that they because ea's previous seasons the games have been underwhelming but the previous seasons over the past generation do not inspire confidence in the product and we can perhaps see why when we see the final product, unfortunately. But you need to say, okay, this is what we've been working on, and these are these in-depth developer blogs. And of course, yes, we're going to take them with a grain of salt because of the past generation, and, and look, all previews are going to hype up, 2K included, hype up the positives while downplaying the negatives, or even, in some cases, in 2K's uh, case, lying about them. But I, I think Live just needs to really just go hard because they don't have the confidence, they don't have the attention People have, as much as people are keen to see it come back, a lot of other people have given up on the brand, or they'd like to see it, but they don't trust the brand. So you need to really get people excited and hyped about it, and show off those good points. So I, I think they just need to just go full blast with that previous season when live comes back, whether it's this year or next year, and and just push it all out, like like you say, developer blogs, absolutely, everything else, previews, trailers, screenshots, uh, little things on Twitter, little little clips on Twitter highlighting an improvement here and there, new technology, everything. It's important. NBA Live needs to be in everybody's heads and in everybody's living rooms Yeah, and on everybody's phones. That's basically what they need to do, and it needs to be um, – that's how they're going to get the word out. You know, the thing about NBA Live is I would absolutely love to be on the ground floor as a gameplay tester and uh, somebody who – gives them they you know they get me the game um and the base game and allow me to put highlights together send them off and then they can edit them and send them out on twitter or something or let me send them out on twitter uh, or compile the video so they can just post it i would absolutely you know how i am about the highlight videos indeed youtube video flooded with game highlight videos and i get such good feedback on them i would love to show off the game from like a skill perspective from a authenticity perspective, get really good realistic highlights in there from the broadcast view and just pummel Twitter with them. You know what I mean? Like, like social media with them and just get people hyped up about the different, the, the player movement and the authenticity and all of it, and the graphics and all of that stuff. I would love that. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. I, 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 I have the opportunity, but I'd love it. And and we've said this before as well, just, you know, to wrap up here on the NBA Live segment. But it's important they listen to the right people, people that care about the brand, people that aren't just getting in there to to get scoops or, or to, and certainly people who are not just getting in there who are going to bash the game later on. You know, they get the inside scoop, and and then uh, and then just don't, you know, they don't follow through on promoting the game or, or giving proper feedback. You know, and, and not just listening to the people that that are going to just promote the game blindly and not give quality feedback that's going to help the game and help all of gamers to really have this game that they really want to enjoy. So, obviously, you know, we're going to put our names out there, naturally, because we're egotistical like that. But, but no, we, we do believe in the, 
in what we say about basketball games and the, and the value that we uh, of our feedback, we stand by that, and uh, we do we do feel that we speak for a lot of gamers, certainly gamers our age, when we talk about uh, the things that we would uh, like to see in NBA Live and NBA 2K, for that matter. So, yeah, no, I, I hope they listen to the right voices. I hope they reach out to everybody in the community, not just popular YouTubers who many of them, quite honestly, probably don't... A lot of them probably don't really care about NBA Live. They, they'd get into it if they can get some perks for it, or if there's any kind of benefit for them. But, uh, you know, reach out to the whole community the way they used to. Don't be like 2K that's playing favorites and, and so forth. You know, bring it back to the community. I, I think EA could really generate some goodwill and help their image doing that. Oh, absolutely. You know what, you know what else is gross, Andrew? You know, when I look at it for food, like guacamole looks gross. That's another one. I, I, was I, I like it, but yeah, you're right about the texture and, and the look of it. Yeah, <laughs> no, no doubt. It's so important. I mean, you can see the 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 grossness of the texture on guacamole. That is not visibly. The graphics on gua, guacamole just don't do it for me. Um, what about the DLC? <laughs> I, I don't like the microtransactions in uh, in guacamole, yeah. <laughs> me either. Um, so with them, it, I think from... A depth, pers- a depth perspective they as far as nba live goes it, the the most important thing is that they are up to date i know that sounds very simple but they, they should be up to date and comparable to other sports gaming titles that are on the market with at least the basics right like you you have to come in with the you want people to play your game. You want people to spend time on your on your game. You need to come in with a proper franchise mode um, with some franchise customization. You need to have edit player um, capabilities that you've been able to have on other sports games for years. Uh, you need to have a proper creative player feature. Uh, you need to have Legends represented or Classic NBA um, represented somehow in some capacity. Uh, you need to have the appropriate depth. And it needs to be up to date. Otherwise, people are not going to be spending as much time on your game, and that people are going to be turned away from buying it because exactly. you're not going to be missing a feature that another sports game has that they're, you know, NBA 2K that they're going to gravitate to. And you know, a lot of people don't double dip. I mean, there are people that do, but most people just, you know, budgets, um, time, all of that stuff. Uh, most people just get one basketball title per year, right? Yeah. So it's uh, it's hard to divide it, your time uh, between two. I've tried it before. You you always end up favoring one. It's hard. Right. Right. Exactly. It's really tough. Um, like right. I I feel guilty right now even modding on NBA 2K21 because that's taking away from work on that I could be doing on NBA 2K19. Mm. So like and my 2K17 project. So it's really tough to you know, juggle different games and multiple games and whatnot. But, you know, for those who stick with a current game, they usually just um, usually just buy one. So live has to be able to have enough depth to for people to say, you know what, I'm not missing anything um, super important by moving away from NBA 2K. And that's going to be key for them. And that depth that they do have, they need to market the hell out of it. Uh, so... Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I, I think their social media presence is just going to be unbelievably important. Their YouTube presence, um, how they show the content is vital. Um, 
they have to make the game look good. Remember we talked about NBA 2K's preview season where they showed questionable videos that, like, why did they put this out here? Why did they put that player sliding into the uh, defender for a charge, like skating into him? You know, why did they make Tim Hardaway Jr. dunk like he's never dunked before in his life? You know, why did they have Tim Hardaway floating above the court on his drive? You know, why did the, you pointed this out too as well. Why did they have Draymond Green clipping through another player, like his full body clipping through? Exactly, yeah. This was all NBA 2K21 next-gen previews. Um, so how you show the content is incredibly important. And so that's going to be such an important part of what they do. And it's going to be very important. So once again, we can but uh, wait and see. But it, it is interesting, promising, and uh, just a little bit intriguing that, uh, that we did see that response to the tweet. that They did acknowledge in NBA Live 22 and... As you said, we've said before that it seems unlikely that they would hire, you know, bring in someone like Scott O'Gallagher if they're not trying to give NBA Live another go. So we we will see it at some point, uh, presumably. It's it certainly all signs point to that. But this is pretty promising, and the most promising sign in a while that there's going to be a, a an NBA Live on the uh, on the horizon, shall we say? But we we will see. But you know, we talked we talked about listening to gamer feedback, and that is so important. And obviously, developers from both EA and 2K have have done that. And recently, uh, Mike Wong, the Luba, has been soliciting feedback on shot aiming. And interestingly, the results are very much skewed towards no in the polls. The poll that he put out on Twitter, it's uh, 86%. It says no, shot aiming should not be in NBA 2K22. There was a, that's a, That was out of uh, 138,000 votes that he got on that. So that's a, a pretty overwhelming response to no. Likewise, he had a similar uh, poll on Reddit in a Reddit thread, which was about 6.3 thousand and less than a thousand people voted yes overwhelmingly again voting no uh there are some there is some pushback in the comments on 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 the on the no votes and we'll get to that shortly but basically the the response Derek to those polls overwhelmingly so is that people don't want shot aiming in NBA 2K22 uh so I, I said this a little bit earlier but it doesn't affect me as much because my brother and I just turn it off uh, in the settings and we play offline. Uh, like you stated though, one of the, the reasons why is a lot of the people that are uh, responding to his poll are online players and they see the people who use modified controllers and cheat you, um, using the shot aiming mechanics, um, in those modes and you can't turn it off for the opponent. You know what I mean? Um, so here's the thing. I don't think shot, and I said this, remember, on the NBA 2K21 preview season, um, and I made a video about this showing me I was hitting a bunch of threes using the shot aiming, like I can do the shot aiming. It just doesn't feel like real shooting in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't feel like you're aiming. It doesn't feel like, like I, I don't feel the immersion at all. Like I've never used the, the right stick for shooting in aiming and felt like, hey, this is a great feature to be in this game. So I, I don't see the benefit of it. I don't see why it would be in the game. Uh, I don't see the skill gap from it because, like you said, there's cheaters online that are able to modify their controllers or just completely master it. So it's overwhelmingly um, effective. So, no, I, I see why people don't want shot aiming, and I, I, that, that poll doesn't surprise me. Um, but for me, like, there's always been a setting to turn it off, so it's never really affected me. Absolutely. So. I mean, it, it is a problem with 
multiplayer in that respect where where other people are going to be using it. Uh, they have pushed through a couple of hot fixes that address the Zen cheating, the, uh, the cheating devices that have been able to script controllers into perfectly aimed and green releases. So that, that is something that they're trying to uh, trying to address. To that point, though, if you have a, me- have a mechanic that you can... And I, I had a Twitter thread about this late last year uh, in between the release of current-gen and next-gen versions of 2K21. And I said it then, and I'll repeat myself now. If you have a mechanic in the game that you can exploit either by repetition that you can just shoot 100% or close to 100% every time if you know the input, that's not realistic. It's hardly fair. It's not balanced. But more to the point, if you have a mechanic that you can write a script and exploit with just a script that a single button press can exploit that mechanic, that's, that's not a good mechanic. And, and look, I, I see a lot of people saying, oh, you're too dumb to be able to, to work this out. Get that elitist, toxic garbage out of here, quite frankly. It's, it's, it's so get good, it is so toxic, it is why the 2K, online 2K community is a dumpster fire because of this. And, oh, because I like it, no, you know, it shouldn't be in the game. It, you're not good enough to do this. Absolutely ridiculous, because it is a mechanic that can be exploited so easily. But here's the other thing. It's not even just about cheating online, Derek. It's also about the CPU, the AI. Here is the problem with the green releases and also shot aiming. If you've got the CPU, can, at any time, the CPU can say, I'm going to have a perfectly aimed shot. And it's just going to make perfectly aimed shot time and time again and break the game on the harder difficulty levels while the user is struggling to shoot with re- with pretty good but not perfect releases, and the CPU is just giving itself, oh, yep, green release, green release, perfect release, perfect release, perfect aiming, perfect aiming, then how do you compete with that? It's no- Then you have to just dr- dump it inside and dunk over and over again, because taking a, taking a jump shot, trying to match jump shots with the CPU is so unbalanced. It's not just multiplayer, it's against the CPU too. We see this already, it's already a problem. So it's not just the competitive scene. It's whoever wants to play offline, who wants to play uh, my league, my NBA, who wants to play my career, and you're trying to compete with the CPU that can give itself... The, I mean, the CPU is always going to be more precise than a human user can ever be. That's why the gen cheating <laughs> makes, it, makes it so, you know, it, it basically allows us, if, if you are one of the people doing that, and I'm not, um, if you are doing that, it's basically allowing you to do what the CPU does. So, that, so even if you take all that away, it's still a problem. And the idea that that you know just because you like it and because you've mastered it that you should listening to listening to those people and they're they're saying don't listen to the people to take it out no listen to the majority if that's what the majority wants and if that's what they're they're feeling is the most uh, enjoyable experience the one with the least unforgiving uh, learning curve considering that there's so much in in the game that affects this the skill gap the biggest myth in 2k gaming oh we, we, we want the we want the shot aiming there because of the skill gap oh you mean the skill gap that's affected by the intimidator badge all these shooting badges that all the things that you can load up your player with so that you can basically almost automate the shot on top of the shot aiming get that toxic right. garbage out yeah. of here I, I, I'm, yeah. the thing that comes to the hoop even if you're not in position because it sucks you to the player 
because of the yeah. because of the bat. You can be six or seven feet away from the player driving, and because you have a certain badge, your player morphs over to the other player and gets a block that you never would have gotten if you just were, you know. It's, it reminds me of the tennis games where you can, like, a ball is hit, like, ten feet from you, but there's assist. It's, it's literally called assisted movement. Exactly, and yeah. It, have that jacked up it pushes your like you don't move him your tennis player moves to the ball to hit it and all you got to do is hit the uh, swing button yeah it's it's absolutely insane and i think that's what's happening too is these newer 2ks they're missing balance on the basketball court they are Um, are. you know they're missing it's it's there is and there is no true skill gap and there is no true quote-unquote sim nation um, because the game doesn't support it. it. You can you can use all these words and buzzwords and all these badges and all of this stuff. You can you know and, and make it sound fancy and all of that stuff and upgrade and, and all of that. But when it comes to what's happening between the lines, if the game doesn't support that and support those statements, then where are we? Right? You know, I was playing my team and I talked to you about this and you were talking about how the computer makes those shots that you would never make or ever have a chance to make. Mm-hmm. You're draped all over the computer and they're just like firing from 25 feet and everything is going in and they're hitting all these off balance shots and you're right in their grill with the joystick pointed up, you know, pointed towards them and you're contesting these shots. And you know what you do? And this is the, the, the balance part I'm talking about. You're like, you know what? I need to win this game and if they're going to keep doing that, I am going to use every exploit I can, and I'm just going to keep scoring on him. So I start running wide on the baseline and just scoring and just getting free dunks. I start isoing on the corner and saying, okay, I'm just going to blow by this guy and score over and over and over again. And you can still do that in the newer 2Ks and whatnot, and help defense doesn't come over. I'm just going to run up the middle of the floor off of a make and um, get it to my big guy, and I'm just going to push the shoot button as I'm driving towards the hoop, and they'll call a foul. Because I'm driving towards the hoop, and the majority of the time it's called a foul. Like, that's not Sim Nation. That's not balance. That's not real basketball. That's fi- that's avoiding. Basically, it's finding a way around the red flags, and it's it's, it's finding a way to avoid. It's basically it's basketball strategy. It's, it's not playing it's, basketball. You know, the whole thing. You know, you know. Apologies to to Desire. You know, don't play video games. Play basketball. We are playing video games now. <laughs> That's the thing. Right, exactly. And they're like, oh, look at this. Pl-. And, and I hate this. I absolutely hate this. When they share a tweet, they're like, nice, he, he, he'd say. And somebody did like a, like a routine pick and roll. And you look at the play, and the guy got completely wide open under the hoop because both defenders went to the ball handler and they didn't react appropriately and the players are skating around and having trouble turning around because of the player movement issues and you want to say nice like that that wasn't realistic at all that wasn't basketball two players got caught on the ball handler because that's the that's the suction mechanic part and the and the ai mechanic part so yeah i agree not to go on a huge rant but i am really sick of the whole skill gap and um the whole, you know, get good and sim nation stuff. Mm. Because when you play that game, it is riddled with issues from a gameplay perspective. And it encourages cheaters and it encourages elitism and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I want to really listen. I go back and play 2K16, 2K15, 
and even 2K17, which 2K17 does have some things that can be exploited that are a little bit frustrating, but not when you're playing human versus human as much. But I go back and play those games, and I feel like I'm playing more real basketball, right? Absolutely, Same when I'm yeah. playing 2K7, 2K12, um, 2K8 uh, as well. I'm going back and playing those games, and I'm like, man, I can't exploit this game as much. That's right? what the focus was on. The focus was on Sim. That's what they were building right. at the time. Gap. Right, and there's more of a skill gap, and there's more control, yeah. and, there's more, and there's more balance. So not to go on another rant about that, but that's the stuff that gets so frustrating. And they get away with it because look at the reviews that come out for these games. And look at the conversations on Operation Sports and the threads that are started or the people that are censored for calling certain things out and all of that stuff with the game. And look at the way it's presented on social media. And look at the rants that the developers on um, social media have gone on. And even some have taken Twitter breaks because people did complain about these things. There's just – it's so toxic. It so is. And, 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 you know, toxic it, and toxicity – those are very overused words to the point that are sadly becoming buzzwords, but it, it really does sum up a lot of the attitudes. And I'm looking at some of the re- responses to to Mike's uh, tweet, and, and it, it is all this elitist stuff about you're too dumb to use the mechanic, people saying you're too dumb to use the mechanics if you uh, don't know how to shot aim, or people who, you know, I learned this, thump- it's all this thumping on the chest and get good stuff and everything. This is why we have people not, uh, well, they're dodging newcomers, in the in the city or the, the neighborhood, whatever, and you've got experienced players who don't want to play with the new players. Fine, but we don't have matchmaking, so everyone gets thrown in there together. You're, you're telling people to get good, but they're not able to get good because nobody wants to play with them. These are conceptual problems that 2K still has not addressed. It's why the online scene is complete garbage. Why <laughs> why it continues? Why there is this toxicity? That this attitude of oh look at this, I know how to aim a stick. Yeah. But also these mechanics are exploited by the CPU. They're exploited by cheating devices. They're even exploited by people. Even if you are legitimately doing it, you should not be able to shoot 90% from three-point range if you know the mechanics. It's not balanced. The mechanic, doesn't, the mechanic balanced. doesn't make sense in a basketball video game. It the is. The mechanic doesn't make sense. So and, you can't just say, oh, get... And it also doesn't work properly. And I talked about this before. It doesn't work properly, and it can be exploited, and it's incredibly inconsistent. It doesn't feel like shooting. So, no. It's not get good at at using a mechanic just because the mechanic is in the game. And the mechanic itself is flawed. That's the thing. So, no. It, I mean, I if, if shot enemy worked better, I'm fine with it. Kids, like, you know, yeah, 2K17. Kids, yeah, that was fine. Yeah. No, I, by the way, the way... Okay, I, I'll say this again. Outside of protected shots, I think NBA 2K17 might have the best shooting in the series. Agreed, yeah. I really, I really do believe that. Whether it's you know in the post and taking a fadeaway by pushing the joystick out, or doing shim, um, shimmy fadeaways, or you know regular jump shots, or being able to stop on the diamond shoot, um, stop on a diamond shoot, etc. NBA 2K17 probably is the best shooting mechanics and feel and timing and all of that stuff that uh, in any game that I've played um, in the history of basketball video games. Um, but yeah, this this thing where it's not just kids. It's you know I'm seeing these comments from people, you know, in their early twenties. You know, I'm seeing people in adults making these comments, and it's really frustrating. It is, and like, it's looking at it's a selfish mindset. It's not looking at what's good for the game. What's good for the game is it's all thump your chest, get good, newbies, you know, get good. But they're not given the environment to get good online. And even if you're just focusing on versus the CPU, you're talking about a mechanic that the CPU can very much 
rig in its favor with it compared to the dice roll and everything it's it is so frustrating to see that kind of toxicity that kind of selfish mindset um, and the funny thing is look what downed nba elite 11 everybody wants to focus on you know the jesus bynum the t-pose glitch which happened to a couple of people in a demo technical glitches happen like that what was really killing it was that people could find that they could make 25-foot hook shots with the shooting mechanics because it had a very similar aiming and shooting mechanic to 2K21. So if you master, if you master that shooting mechanic in, 2K, in uh, NBA Elite 11, you could see people just making these hook shots from you know, 25, 30 feet out because they found out how the aiming mechanic worked. That is the problem with giving people complete control over shot aiming. There is, at the same time, yeah, you don't want... That- you don't want to be exactly. too animation heavy. But that's the other thing. The skill gap, it, again, it's such a myth because there's so many things in 2K that come down to either badges or animation selection or the meta gaming of what you're doing with the badges and which, which animations you're equipping. And even then, luck of the draw as to whether you get the right animation when you go up for a dunk or a layup. And, and there's so many canned moments. This idea that, oh, because they're shot aiming, there's a skill gap. Again, you know, not to, you know, not to get, sound like Tim Kisro, but get that out of here. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, Eleven's biggest mistakes was them making that the, the default control scheme. Yeah, and no sprint. You know, something new. They, they were trying something new, which was really silly because the way it worked in NBA Live Nine, uh, Live Ten was fine. And what they should have done is they should have made the default control scheme the traditional one, mm. and the of the optional control scheme to the other one. And you know, you talk about the uh, what NBA Elite Eleven made the mistake on. Now, remember, NBA Elite 11 wasn't online play like we have today. Not at all, no. So now put NBA Elite 11, release that in 2021, and put those mechanics online. And that's what you have with NBA 2K. But right? you, you know what the that's real irony here is? The real irony, though? Mike, Mike Wong is a real proponent. This is his baby shot aiming. Yet the direction they went for in Elite 11 is what drove him back to 2K. That's crazy. I want to point something out, too. It is not a good sign that that poll has almost 150,000 response, responses on if should NBA 2K22 have shot aiming. It's not good that the, out of that many responses that it's 86% no. Because do you know what that means? That means it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good for NBA 2K21. It isn't good for NBA 2K21, and people can't stand it. If you have that big of a margin of uh, in a user response uh that means that it wasn't implemented well that's and, the and, elephant and look if, if people like, like uh, yeah. about that for a second so it's just yeah anyway i think it's um i agree with you it, it is wild that that's his baby when nba elite 11 was the game after his departure the one that made him for, go back to 2k yeah yeah exactly. and, and look yeah. i understand if people like it then they're going to push back on it and they're going to be elitist about it that's the way it goes but can you can you imagine Live 07 made the mistake of having the three different shoot buttons, a, a layup button, a dunk button, and a shoot button, a jump shot button. Imagine when, when they went back, when they backed off from that because it wasn't a good idea, it worked out. If people said, oh, you know, you just need to get used to it. And this is the big thing, adjust, get good. No, some ideas suck. Sometimes games try some ideas and they don't work out. You know, why, why do you think Windows 10 went back to a start menu? Because Windows 8 was not good to navigate. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. But that, you know, sometimes ideas don't pan out as well. You, they can sound good in theory, but then when they get into the hands of the consumer, it's it's this is clunky. You know, and there's, there's no need for this. And so, Ooh, we yeah. 
were we supposed to adjust to NBA Jam 99 or 2000, or did those mechanics suck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't just adjust that game because of the mechanics, because of the ridiculously high arcing shot, shots and the lethargic, this is that word again, um, player movement, and like the um, just the overall presentation, the lack of depth, all of that stuff. Were we supposed to just adjust to that game and get good at the game? Because, no, the mechanics suck. Uh, Live 14. Was was Live 14 actually a great game? We just needed to adjust to it? Apparently. Yeah, see, that's the point. Exactly. And and people don't think big picture like that. No, Live 14 had a lot of issues. The players moved robotic as hell most of the time. Um, The dribble tech was decent. But as far as, like, a lot of the other animations, even shooting wasn't that bad, by the way, on NBA Live 14. But driving to the hole, moving on defense, um, the animations in the post, um, all of that stuff... Uh, yeah, there was there was in, in the graphics too, but you know, they could have been better. They weren't great, but yeah, you know, were we supposed to just adjust, and that would automatically make NBA Live 14 more fun and great for us? No, it's it had a lot of issues. So Live yeah, Live 07, like you know, you know what? I can, you know, I talked about going back and playing Live 07. I can kind of adjust to all its. Let's be kind and say quirks. In Live 07 for th- Xbox 360, I can adjust to it. I can kind of put these things out of my mind and try and play to the way the game wants me to. Does that mean that Live 07 was a great game or that people just needed to adjust and didn't? No, not at all. I have, I mean, I've said this before, I do wonder whether I'd still call Live 07 the absolute worst in the series because of some of the roughness of the last generation and the subsequent expectations that were on the game for the technology at the time. But at the, I'm still going to put 07 for 360, if not at the bottom of the list of the NBA Live series, very close to the bottom of the series. And you you can adjust to it, but it's like any bad game. After a while, you can keep playing it and push through it and grit your teeth and kind of adjust to it. But there's there's, adjust, there's a learning curve, and then there's trying to make the best out of a broken system. And I think people have found that they can exploit this system. They, they can exploit the, the shot aiming. They like that because they like... Scoring sixty points off thirty off uh, you know twenty three pointers in, in the rec or two K pro am and they like that because they they can hit that shot time to time, not necessarily cheating although certainly some people do with the zen and like you say people look after they just look at their own interests they don't look at the big picture and yeah it's I think it's just so much toxic elitism in those responses I'm looking at the the, the people that are saying no have a much more measured take on it because they know the problems. They see the problems with it being exploited either by cheating or by people who just want to who learn how to exploit it with stick skills to the point where you should not be able to shoot 90% from three, uh, especially when you... T- you know, <laughs> There should not be people on five-minute quarters on, t- on 2K Pro-Am or the rec sh- uh, shooting 25 of 35 threes. That's just ridiculous. It is not sim. If you, if, if you want to have it that way, do not pretend it's a sim game, quite frankly. It is basically... A, a more realistic NBA jam at that point. And, and certainly and this idea of getting good and like looking down on, on the lesser gamers when they have no way of, when there's no proper matchmaking, when there's no way of actually getting good and actually making that adjustment. No, I'm, I'm sorry. There's so much gatekeeping, so much toxicity in the, the online scene and the 2K, you know, NBA 2K community in general. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think the poll speaks for itself. If you like it, fine. And I understand speaking up for it. But when the majority says, this isn't a, an enjoyable experience for us, at least the way it's implemented in 2K21. You know, I've got to go with majority rules here. 
Yeah. So let, let me give you an example of how the skill gap thing bothers me. So um, there's let, let's let's use a fighting game. So let's say that you and I play a fighting game and we have our characters at the same level on the fighting game. So let's say the character goes up to level 10 and both of us are at level seven. Right. And we play against each other on this fighting game. And we're like dead heat. Like we're, 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 I'm winning, you're winning, I'm winning, you're winning. It's pretty even, right? And we're, you know, it's, it's fun, all that stuff. But now let's say that you get three or four different abilities that I don't have. What's going to happen to me? Yeah, I'm going to get my, yeah. I am going to get my, and, and then I start losing over and over and over again. Is that because you're a better player than me at that game? Or is that because you got four abilities that I don't have? Exactly. Yeah. It's... And that's the point. So basically what happens is, is you have people, and this is in, in, a, in a grander scale on NBA 2K, you have people that enter the um, online scene, and they're really, they can be really good at the game, right? They can be really good, but they can be a little bit low. They can be lower overall. And then somebody who's paid to get a higher overall player and all of these rim protector badges and all these different badges and all of that stuff is going to absolutely obliterate that better player. That's a lower overall that doesn't have those badges. Is that player who has all of those artificial boosts a better, more skilled player than that person at a lower overall? Not at all. And that, that bugs the crap out of me out of it. It just, it, I, I'm so sick of hearing skill gap. It, it, it is the biggest myth. I've, I've got an article yeah. that's going to come out for it. Maybe the, well, maybe the ones that I'm going to, uh, maybe one of the ones I'm going to schedule in advance, perhaps <laughs> in the near future. But and, and the other thing, and I, it's you know I, I hate to sound like a broken record again about it, much like the NBA Live, but it's it's so important because it, it's a point that keeps getting missed. If you want to have a proper competitive scene, a proper skill gap in NBA 2K Online, it's online connected modes. You need to have proper matchmaking, proper grading. Rocket League does this. You also need to have less reliance on canned moments and animations. Rocket League does this. This is why Rocket League, despite being a fantasy game that is nothing like a real sport, well, it's, it's kind of like soccer, association football, but it's with rocket cars, so that's kind of, you know, not how that works. But uh, the reason why such a, a, a sci-fi game like that, you know, this, this arcade twist or a fantasy twist on a real sport, why it, it makes us so much more uh, of a better competitive scene and a, and a better esports game than an actual sport, basketball, you know, a, a, re, a supposedly realistic representation of a real sport in basketball it's better because it doesn't have that reliance on animations and canned moments there is a grading system you can it's welcoming to new players you can adjust you can get good so 2k has none of that that's why 2k's online scene lags so behind the, the rest of it and it's just propped up by these elitists by catering to these elitists these elitists saying don't cater to the majority no, you need to listen to your user base. And this, the user base that's saying there are problems with these mechanics. We'll take shot aiming if it works properly, but it doesn't. And elitism is, and this was called out on a Reddit thread a couple of years ago. Elitism is killing the online scene. It is killing the game. It's killing the mechanics. And yeah, listen to the majority on this one. Well, just don't buy it. Yeah, I'm just sick. I'm sick of it. No, it's 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 getting old. Now, I feel like we're a broken record sometimes here on the NLSC, but it's just hard to avoid it. And then when you see um, Mike um, Mike Wong on, on Twitter, you know, putting out that poll, and you see the response, 
and you see the overwhelming negative response to shot aiming and mechanics that they've implemented, and then all the other complaints that you see, um, etc. It just it keeps reminding you of it. Well, it's, and, it's it's much like the you know people who say that. Sorry to interrupt. The, the people who were saying that the it just allowed major allowed minority rather uh, complaining about the game or downvoting it on Steam or giving negative reviews. If that many people are saying there are problems with recent games or mechanics in recent games, maybe the problem isn't with the it was, oh it's just the uh, the masses are stupid. No, it's it's that a lot of people who are dedicated fans of the game are not liking the game. It's not just these filthy casuals that are hating on the game. It's people who know basketball and know basketball games that have have a problem with this and have legitimate complaints, legitimate criticism of these mechanics and other aspects of the games from the gameplay mechanics to the recurrent revenue mechanics. You can't just sweep this under the rug and, and call it haters and casuals. There are dedicated people who are pointing out problems, and that's why the results of the polls skew the way they do. I just wish people were more descriptive. Uh, I wish people explain themselves a little bit better on these on these comments i know twitter makes it tough um because of the character limit and whatnot and you also get engulfed like in all the different comments right like your your comments sometimes can't even stand out because there's just hundreds and sometimes or you jumped on a ratioed yeah by people who are right or yeah. exactly or you get ratioed um etc but you know i just wish you know people were more descriptive um they they talked about you know, more clear. They were more clear as far as talking about the issues that they're having, uh, and you know, go into more detail of how it could be fixed, or uh, you know, should they junk the mechanic altogether? All of that stuff. Like, I just wish people were a little bit more clear and more descriptive. But this is the hot take generation. This is the character limit generation. This is, um, you know, less than ten words. You know, or less than twenty words beat out anything with because people don't want to. Re- <laughs> TLDR, how, yeah. See, yeah, how many people, yeah, too long didn't read, you know. It's just so frustrating. You know, I, I, you know how many times I've posted on Twitter and, like, I'll post attachments to try to get my point out. Um, and, you know, with descriptions and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll get in the comments, uh, you know, too long didn't read or you typed all that up for what? And stuff like that. It's like, read. Like, yeah. look at what I said. I'm describing something. I, you know, I'm 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 talking in detail about something. Like, why can't you read it? So, short attention spans. And my final comment is, as it always is, uh, stand up for your fellow gamers and look around and say, okay, you know, I I like this, but I can see their point, and I'm not going to just dismiss their point out of hand. And look, you don't have to change your mind about it. But if you're looking down on your fellow gamers just because they have that point of view and and it doesn't line up with your elitist mindset I, I, do, I would say the problem is with you and not the uh, the majority here who who know what they like and have legitimate complaints and it's it's a shame to see it getting shouted down it's it, it, it's too yeah, much last, of it. last thing i'll say about it is you know i don't play online on nba 2k you know this and i won't be playing online on nba live you know this but i give a sh- i give a crap yeah about <laughs> exactly uh yeah, you know, I give a crap about other people's experiences and they're, you know, they're spending their hard-earned money uh, on these games and I care about people having fun and creating positive memories. So, like you said, think about your fellow gamer when you're giving feedback and, you know, as far as caring about stuff, you should care yeah, about and, the way other people see these games and how, how much they enjoy them. So. And, and look at the, the underlying mechanics. It's the same excuses that are made for recurrent revenue mechanics that 
it's optional you know not to bring up that again because we're about to get into our mailbag but people just look at that small issue and not how it's connected to so many other issues and how it's connected to FOMO and, and how the mechanics of, of the shoot, how shooting mechanics are also exploited by not just other users online but the CPU how it incre- creates the imbalance look at how all and and badges and everything else look how it all fits together because in a vacuum a lot of things are fine in a vacuum but when you put them all together when you connect all the pieces of the game that's when you find that they don't play well together the, 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 the pieces of the puzzle don't fit so that's what people miss out on as you as you say uh the big picture exactly um yeah exactly from from on a surface view hey i'll see use this as an example again hey we have all these classic teams hey we have all these all-time teams buy our game look we have all of these players from the from the past we represent the past all of that stuff but then when you actually get into it what is what what how are those players made how are those teams made you know what copy and uh, paste jobs are in there what signature follies are there you know stuff like that and um Where's the lack of attention to detail? So on the surface, hey, look what we got. We got all these classic teams and all-time teams. Buy our game. But when you really get down to it, it was just rushed fake depth in a big way. So. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the the first bites being in the eye, the, the importance of that, uh, that first impression. You know, you can have that great meal. You can cut out the guacamole. You can cut out the shepherd's pie. You can have this you know, delicious meal. But if you take a bite into it and it turns out it's made of styrofoam, it doesn't really matter how it looks. So there you right. go. An example. I made. I made, and this is the, and we can move on to the mailbag. <laughs> I made. Uh, so I usually cook breakfast here a lot, and I made um, my brother eggs. And this is this was a while ago, and I used the pan twice. So I like I cooked a batch of eggs, and then I cooked a ne- another batch of eggs, like right after. Now the second batch of eggs. I mean, the eggs looked fine, really, for the most part. But I don't know if you've ever used a pan twice when cooking eggs. Mm. Uh, the second time I used it, it gave the eggs a terrible taste. Like, they, they looked pretty good on the surface. Like, he bit into it. But he was like, oh, my God, this is absolutely terrible. And I've never used the pan twice since. But if you looked at it on the surface, that egg looked fine. Like, it looked like a, like a regular egg. But when you really, when you bit into it, it, it was not good. So... Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure why I told that story, but it was fun. There's a lot of food being talked about. The, uh, the NLSC podcast, advocating for basketball gamers and cooking tips. Right, exactly. I mean, there's some things that just look really good out there. You know, I just want to give a shout-out to Lobster and also Tiramisu. Like, stuff like that. that. That stuff looks good. Guacamole, shepherd's pie, not too much. <laughs> so that brings us to this week's mailbag. And, of course, we, we love the mailbag, Derek. No, with great questions. We have a uh, one uh, listener who has asked us about five or six different questions mm. uh, recently, and we're going to get into some of his on this segment. Yeah, but no, I love it. Uh, thank you for uh, participating in the show. You guys make the show continue, basically. We do love the interaction, as, as we always say. Absolutely, we definitely appreciate it. And this is a shout-out to uh, Sega Geek Navare, who has sent in the questions, as, as you said, about uh, five or six questions already. And we'd rather have uh, too many and have some in the bag than uh, not enough. So we don't mind a, a glut of questions. So uh, never be afraid to send in uh, those questions, and we will get to them uh, over the course of a, a few episodes, if need be. 
With that being said, we're going to start out with uh, two of the first questions that uh, Sega Geek sent along. And uh, mentions that uh, we don't really mention uh, NBA 2K5 that much. That's ESPN NBA 2K5, of course. Uh, what do we think of it overall? And was it better than NBA Live 2005? Yes, a game we haven't talked about much. We we have talked about Live 2005 a bit. Uh, definitely love revisiting games from that era. A lot of nostalgia for them. Uh, you've spent a bit more time than I have with uh, ESPN NBA 2K5, Derek, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Uh, yeah, what, what are your overall thoughts on it, uh, especially compared to, uh, to Live 2005, which, as we discussed on the uh, 25th anniversary episode, Live 2005, one of the best in the Live series. So ESPN NBA 2K5... Uh stands out mostly because, in my opinion, of the sharp ESPN presentation. Uh, it has the full ESPN license. It has the ESPN scoreboard in the bottom right-hand um, corner of the screen that they were using in the real NBA broadcasts at that time. It even came out with extra camera views, real broadcast ESPN broadcast camera views, that they were using on TV and whatnot. So I definitely remember that game in a big way because of the presentation elements. We've talked about how important presentation is, and um, they knocked it out of the park, to be completely honest with you. Uh, the soundtrack isn't very memorable. We talked about this before the show as well. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of ESPN NBA 2K5's soundtrack overall. But the gameplay mechanics are actually incredibly similar to NBA 2K6 for the Xbox 360, so they when they had moved on to next-gen, and NBA 2K6 for, NBA, uh, for the PlayStation 2 era of NBA 2K games. So what they brought over from a gameplay perspective to NBA 2K6 that I liked makes that game fun to play, if that makes sense. So I enjoy NBA 2K6. I think it was a good release for the series. Um, it borrowed so many different mechanics for NBA 2K5 that, um, you know, the ISO motion gameplay, um, which they advertise on the back of the box for um, ESPN NBA 2K5 as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, that it was a good release. I also want to point out that it was also a very good time in the NBA. And I think that factors in to if you enjoy a game um, at some levels as well. Are you enjoying the players that you're using and the teams that you're using, uh, et cetera, especially because back then everybody was playing offline, like exclusively. So this was right off of the Detroit, you know, Ben Wallace is on the cover. The Detroit Pistons just won the NBA championship. Um, of course, the 0405 season saw the Pistons in the finals again against the Spurs in which they lost, et cetera. Just so many big names in the league, um, at the time in my life, I was watching a ton of basketball. And I mean, I loved early 2000s basketball, and 0405 was a great season. Agreed. So that definitely factored into the amount of time that. That was a great finals, by the way. What it, a physical, yeah. fun, um, talented NBA finals the 2005 finals were. Um, people people yeah, focus on the low scores. They focus on the low scores. But it was a, def a, it was a defensive battle. I, I, I love. I, my, the first four games were a bit predictable. I know we're getting a bit off topic here into the uh, holding court territory. Uh, the, the first four games were very predictable because the home team won by double digits each time. But those last three games, when it turned into that seven-game series, the battle, the overtime in Game 5, it, it turned into a, a great series. And, and if you can't appreciate it, well, you know, I, I, I'll back off a little bit here because I, I do hate gatekeeping. But if, if you don't appreciate it, 
I, I don't think you have a full appreciation for basketball beyond a, a certain style. I, I can I can appreciate up tempo and and the defensive chess match, and that was on the defensive chess match side, and it was a yeah, as you say, a fantastic series. Uh, underrated. I like I like true competition. Mm. I'd rather watch a low scoring game where two teams are actually competing and battling it out and working hard. Like it it makes it's a lot more enjoyable to watch a player have to work hard and earn a bucket than get one that's fairly easy. Agreed. Or yep. easier. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Um, as far as depth goes, I mean, ESPN NBA 2K5 was fine. Um, it had the the necessities, and this is what I talked about earlier with NBA Live, how they need to like be caught up with the depth. Um, ESPN NBA 2K5 had perfectly fine um, season mode depth. Uh, you could jump in, um, use multiple teams in season mode again, so it had multi-team use. It was a overall good, enjoyable offline experience as well. Um, yeah, I, I, we don't talk about it a lot, but I think one of the reasons why we don't talk about it a lot is because it was the game before they went to next-gen. Well, I think that's yeah, one of the reasons. I mean, for my, my point of view is that I didn't play it much back in the day. I was still very much just sticking with NBA Live on both PC and uh, PlayStation 2 at the time. So, we were playing live more. Can I just bring that up? We were still playing live more at the time. Mm. When we stopped playing live more was actually on NBA Live 07. Yeah. So it, live it, it, which, live o, yeah, yeah. A, a big turn around that point for a lot of people, I think, was went to 2K. Um, I, I haven't revisited in a while. I, I want to. I want to do a Way Back Wednesday on it. I, I want to go back and play a lot of those early 2K games that I could... I I tr- I'd pick them up sometimes and I'd trade them back in or I'd rent them back in the day when you go to a, a video store for our younger uh, listeners there was these things called video stores where you could uh, rent video games um <laughs> it you uh, a blockbuster right kids That's yeah that, we, they're a lot I mean I, and I mean a lot we would not to interrupt you but you just sent me down the the memory hole oh, of course uh, yeah like I, I remember constantly renting movies and games and when we rented games I want to say it was around it could be like five or six bucks and you'd only get it for a few days. And we did that a lot. I mean, there were all night, all night gaming sessions with rented games. Yeah, but anyway, like, like, like you say, you had to, because you had to return it in a couple of days. <laughs> if it was a game that you wanted to finish like a longer platformer or something, sometimes you needed <laughs> to really grind. But yeah, I would try out 2k from time to time. And you know, I was very into live. Live was worth being into at that time. People people forget that, Derek. People forget how good live was in the early 2000s. It was fantastic. I, you know, and the buzz around it was so positive. Absolutely, yeah. Do you remember? I mean, no, no, it wasn't the height of social media. We weren't hearing everybody. But, uh, you know, do you really remember people crapping on the NBA Live series in those times? No, people looked forward to those games coming out. And there were there were Just some, like you know, there was some anti EA sentiment, anti NBA Live sentiment. Two K was picking up steam. There were people that were saying that Two K is better. Uh, I, I still think those those live games from the early to mid two thousands still hold their own against Two K at the time. Although maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll think that the comparison is uh, closer once I go back and revisit them. But one of the reasons I want to revisit them is because I have gotten more into Two K. Uh, I've been able to uh, open my mind beyond the EA way of doing things to certain mechanics. Uh, I'm more used to playing games without that right stick dribbling from from, from the last uh, couple of generations. So I want to give it, go back and give them an, another chance. Um, but I, I haven't played a lot of it. I do own ESPN NBA 2K5, as you say, the first time. First time they had someone else on the cover, apart from uh, Alan Iverson. That was the, as you say, Ben Wallace, the first uh, 
you know what's great about Ben Wallace? That guy never averaged 10 points a game, and he made the cover of a basketball game. How about that? Yeah, yeah. One of the... Um, That's yeah, like well, or Minute Bowl getting on there. Yeah, we <laughs> the Minute Bowl uh, edition of a game. The the, uh, <laughs> the 7 foot 7 edition. But So we'll go back to it and play it a bit more. Um, I, I do remember... I mean, Live 2005 is a fantastic release from top to bottom. It had All-Star Weekend... That year, of course, came in. Right stick dribbling is there. We're, we're, we're a year away from freestyle superstars, but nevertheless, it, again, just a great game. 2005 holds up extremely well. Um, if, if you don't like the lighting on PC, we can mod it. So <laughs> there is that going for it. The big thing that I remember about ESPN 2K5 is that there was a bug in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I've just pulled up an old thread here from uh, NeoSeeker forums, uh, you know, really throwing it back with uh, with this one. Uh, mentioning that uh, going to the Eastern Conference Finals are lost, uh, can't finish the rest of the playoffs, even people who uh, won in the Eastern Conference Finals. So a very nasty bug made it through. And, of course, these days, that's a bug that could probably be fixed, Derek. But back then, uh, and it was a console-only release as well, on PS2 and uh, Xbox and whatnot, if you got that bug, you know, that was that was it. You, you kind of had to... Sometimes you might be able to sim, uh, sim around it or go back to an earlier save and, and sim through it. But that, that's a rather nasty bug that's kind of flown under the radar but that that was there in association mode and that, that does mar what was starting to become a much deeper franchise mode than what dynasty was in nba live because i've gone back and i've seen did that they ever, yeah did they ever did they uh, i mean was this a widespread thing well, uh, you said yeah. it's a bug was it, was it everybody that was having this issue basically yeah in the eastern conference finals yeah if you if you uh wow. yeah I, I don't know how it flew under the radar but it, it is definitely you go back and you can see that it, it was happening to people pretty consistently yeah i can't imagine um getting that far into a season and that happening like i would be absolutely devastated i, I wouldn't so, pl- i yeah, may no, not play I, the game again if that happened to me <laughs> you know it's just yeah yeah and I, and, I, and I honestly wouldn't blame you i'd be i'd be really upset about it um one thing i do i do remember about an espn nba 2k5 is as far as the mechanics go, as far as like driving to the hoop and dunks and everything, it was pretty sound. If you remember correctly, that game had some pretty solid dunks um, in it and a good feel for shot blocking. Um, and not all shot blocking went like way out of bounds. You could like block it inbounds and then, you know, run the break and all of that stuff. I, I think that um, they did a pretty good shot. If you go back and play that game, it's not bad. Like ESPN NBA 2K5 is a pretty good game. There's something else I want to uh, note with ESPN NBA 2K5. The I, I forgot about this, but the power release, the European and, and Australian release, was in uh, February of 2005. So it was always already halfway through the season. And I remember some of those early 2K games coming out later here in the power regions. And I think that's why NBA Live continued to have a lot more penetration here compared to 2K uh, in those days, because we used to get live, you know, September, August, you know, October at the latest. So we would have that for the start of the season, whereas the 2K games were coming out later in power regions. Came out in September 28, 2004 in uh, North America. So that's interesting that you go back and look at those 2K games that they that the power release the power releases were so delayed. Yeah, I I obviously don't have to deal with that, um, but in your case, yeah, that 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 can get pretty frustrating. Didn't that happen with another game for you too? It didn't it get released? Um, like in February or something? Um, I, I think a few 2K games. I'll, I'll look it up in a sec. But we actually got NBA Live 06 PC came out a couple of weeks early here in Australia. So that, that was the cool thing. We actually got it before the rest of the world. It got leaked. Um, EB Games, which is um, Electronic Boutique, formerly Electronic Boutique, and um, 
game it is basically GameStop, same company. It's just the Australian uh, branch. Uh, put it out on the shelves, the PC version of Live 06, a couple of weeks early. So we were actually able to get our hands on it then. That was, uh, and we and we made a big deal of it, and it never happened again. Of course, because we, uh, <laughs> you know, we we should, you should yeah. never have made it. You should never have made that big deal about exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it definitely I think uh, affected certainly me getting into 2K, and of course being a console only game, and us being so PC oriented in the NLSC community. Uh, I think it's we, we did overlook those those console releases, those console exclusives, really until two K nine came to PC. Yeah, I, I think that um, what was strange is that they didn't come out with NBA two K six on PlayStation three. I mean, actually, yeah, on PlayStation three, uh, I, I, they, it was an Xbox three sixty only. Did you ever find out why they did that? Uh, yeah, because uh, PS three came out in two thousand six, so it wasn't. Uh, oh, that's yeah. Yeah, the, uh, oh, L- yeah. L- Live 06 was also, that's why it was 360 only. Live 07 was meant to come out on PS3, but that version was cancelled. Um, either because of problems with developing for the PS3, or possibly because of the negative reception to the other versions. Uh, poss- possibly a bit of both. Okay, that, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, yeah, it, it is wild. Uh, I really hope that NBA, and not to get back on NBA Live 22, I just really hope that it comes to PC. They have other games on PC now. Madden's on PC. FIFA's on PC, etc. They need to get. Um, they absolutely need to get NBA Live on PC. But as far as Two K Five is concerned, yeah, I do want to revisit it because I don't have uh, as many memories of it as, as you do, obviously. Uh, so it, it doesn't have rights to dribbling, does it? It's, it's more the uh, hold the iso motion dribbling. Yeah, it's iso motion, and it's it's very similar to what you get in like NBA Two K Six. It's it's really not much different. So if you've played NBA 2K6, that's the dribbling that you can basically expect. I have, yeah, and it's I'm more used to it now because I've played 2K11, 2K12, and really love those games. So I can actually get, I'm, again, I want to revisit it, and now that I'm more open to it, because again, back in the day, I'm enjoying NBA Live. I'm used to the way NBA Live is doing things. You get 2K, and you're like, oh, what is this? This is a different approach to the gameplay mechanics here and there, and you, you can see the depth, and you can see what people are saying about it, but it's just hard to get into it. But Obviously, having the ESPN presentation was a big deal at the time. Uh, who, had, who had the ESPN presentation before that? It was, it was, it was Konami, ESPN, NBA Tonight, and ESPN, NBA Tonight 2002. Games I also right, will yeah, get to, yeah. yeah. And, of course, now EA has uh, ESPN. But that was a big thing back in the day, having actually authentic uh, broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, what I have a question for you. What did What got you into nba 2k 11 again so you talked about you know you had to you know you kind of avoided it at the time and whatnot and then all of a sudden recently you were like hey you know what this isn't that bad was it over was it more overcoming the nba live um i'm not going to call it bias but just like your love for nba live or was it the fact that the mechanics kind of felt fresh when you revisited it um and that you just didn't give it enough a chance of a chance in the past I mean, I think bias is a, is a fair way of putting it. Uh, I think certainly that the... I was trying to be nice. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, let, let's call a spade a spade and bias, bias. Uh, but, but certainly the familiarity with NBA Live and, and the, the differences in 2K, it, it was a, a learning curve and a hurdle to, to overcome to get into those games for sure. So I, I think after I started to really get into 2K12, 2K13, well, 2K13, which had right stick dribbling, is why 2K13 was the first 2K game that I really got into, really loved... Uh, I was able to go back and kind of uh, being used to the feel of it because obviously it is different having right stick dribbling, but still there is that feel of 
it, it still feels very similar in player movement and whatnot to 2K11, 2K12. So I was able to adjust uh, to having the old school isomotion there. And although I do, do still prefer the right stick dribbling, the, the feel of the game was more familiar. Uh, I was feeling much more positive about the 2K brand because NBA Live had disappointed me and <laughs> disappeared, quite frankly, <laughs> disappeared and disappointed. Um, so I was I was already into 2K, so I was more in a 2K mindset and becoming a 2K fan as well. So I was able to appreciate it more and, and have more patience for it. So yeah, so it was, it was a few years after 2K11 came out, and then I really got went back and finished the Jordan Challenge and everything and uh, really appreciated it, and that's why I've looked to, to mod that game. It's one of those things where you could always appreciate the greatness, but that learning curve of the different approach to controls uh, was a barrier at, at the beginning. And I think one of the best things 2K has done is to take some of those ideas from live that were really good ideas. The games may not have been great, but the ideas were. And I think that's there's always merit in doing that. Yeah, I, I think that both companies borrow from, you, from each other, obviously. And I think that that makes sense, as long as it's best for the gamer. And it makes the the product better and whatnot. And I think that NBA t- um, 2K has done a, a great job in capitalizing off of ideas Live had. I mean, just something as simple as right stick dribbling, which Live had since NBA Live 2003. And 2K implemented it in on NBA 2K13, and it was a huge game changer. NBA 2K13 is a great game. I just want to throw that out there. But, you know, and since 2K13, they've taken off with it. Um, with right stick dribbling and they've just added different variations to it and more depth to it. Um, not for the better in a lot of ways. I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm not a fan of, um, the dribbling in the newer games, 2k18, 2k19, 2k20 and 2k21 as I am with like 2k17, 16, 15 and 14, etc. But yeah, I, I, I love it when games borrow from each other. I mean, look what, um, NBA 2K did with the WNBA compared to NBA Live. Absolutely, like it's, you got yeah, NBA it, Live. Look what we're going to do with it. it it's not so. who does it, as we said before. It's not who does it uh, first, but who does it best. And I, I'm all for, people. Oh, they stole this from 2K and stole it from EA. Good. If it's a good idea, take it. If if it is something that, that a basketball game in in the sim style of basketball game should have, I don't care who does it first. I just care who does it best. And if they're both doing it equally well. Uh, even even better that both the both uh, you know companies can uh, benefit from that idea. Just to wrap up here, I am looking at some of the other release dates. Two uh, K six on uh, PlayStation two and Xbox was released September twenty six two thousand five in, in time for the new season in uh, North America. In Europe, March tenth. Uh, the three sixty version released in November two thousand five because the three sixty of course launched uh, in November much the same way that uh, the latest the PlayStation five and uh, Xbox Series X were November releases after the season began. Well, actually, no, not this year because of the uh, <laughs> the late start in December. But uh, then the European release, the power release for the 360, April 28th. So you're getting right into the playoffs then. So I think, again, that's why I think that I wasn't playing it as much because they were coming out when the season, when the regular season was almost half done or all completely done. No, oh, yeah, that, that, that definitely makes sense. So obviously something that I haven't had to deal with that, you know, has been a frustration for you in the past. As a pal gamer, yeah. Uh, 2K7 was when they started bringing it up. It was only about a week or a few days after the North American release, and it's been, it's either been that way or on the same day in recent years. So that's a, that's a thing of the past, thankfully. But uh, no, appreciate the question. It's uh, much like 2001. Uh, we should come back to that game after I've played it a bit more and, uh, and talk a bit more about it. Maybe I'll put up a gameplay video. 
Maybe I'll revisit it and, and put up a gameplay video. Uh, I, I, I'm not opposed to it. I actually like going back and looking at these games. Absolutely. And like I said, one so one thing that stands out about games like ESPN NBA 2K5 is the presentation. And I love to see what they were doing at the time with it. Um, as we know, you know, NBA Live in more recent years has um, used uh, TV style presentation from ESPN and whatnot. And they do a pretty good job with it. Uh, ESPN NBA 2K5 went even above and beyond that and did it even with the menus, right? So these games have like ESPN style menus. And I think that's pretty cool. And um, like navigation and whatnot. Mm. And they did the same thing with, um, I want to say NBA 2K3, that they had the um, the ESPN-like menus and icons and all of that stuff. And I love going back to those games to get, get immersed in the presentation aspects, like the broadcast cam from ESPN and all of that stuff. So The funny thing about ESPN NBA Tonight and, and Tonight 2002, the uh, Konami games, is that the main menu actually... There's a full menu that has all the uh, everything else, uh, all, all the menu options and the uh, roster editing and everything, but they've got the ESPN... Uh, th- down there on the main menu, and it's got exhibition season playoffs for ESPN, and then I think they might have an, uh, something else for at the end as well. But the, the the main menu has got some options that they've worked into the ESPN. It's almost like you know when you remember the back in the nineties, you see people holding up signs in the crowd. When of course the NBA was on NBC, and like you see in the on, in the uh, Bulls crowd, the United Center would have like another Bulls championship for NBC. It was kind of like that, yeah. except on the main menu with uh, ESPN. So that was kind of creative. No, that's neat. No, I love stuff like that. Anything's better than what NBA 2K18 did with the balloons falling into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Anything's better than that. So, uh, 2K18, you uh, will have to have to be be fresh to enjoy that one. But uh, in any event, <laughs> not my not my best friend. I'll tell you. No, um, no. get out of my court. Not to dunk on NBA 2K18 again. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, now that that is the as we said that is the black sheep of the NLC podcast, but um, so yeah maybe some footage of ESPN NBA two K five incoming. Love to uh, revisit that again after I've spent a bit more time with it and uh, and re- really you know give you more of an answer than I did. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed that insight. And like I said, maybe that, that that kind of inspires me. I love these questions. It maybe it inspires me to play that game and upload a gameplay video so people can you know revisit it with me. That's one thing I like about uploading video game um, gameplay videos of some of these old titles makes me i don't know enjoy the experience with others like it gets other people to enjoy it with me it's still just strong, I yeah, yeah. i want i want to do more of it myself absolutely especially now that i've got my uh well i've had my elgato for a while but now that i'm uh, really into that and i've got the ps3 and whatnot and uh, bought after, after i broke that uh, splitter buying a new one so i'm storing it a bit more carefully so i don't break that one so the second question this week, also from uh, Segegek Navarre, and thank you once again for all the questions, which we will be getting to in time. But uh, the second question is, would most sports companies be better off simply making ultimate teams in their sports games a separate game entirely as an online download and make it free to play with microtransactions and uh, also focus on their actual retail sports title as well? So splitting them off into your microtransaction-riddled uh, ultimate team, my team, etc., and then having the uh, having the regular game focusing on the sim experience. And this uh, this has also been thrown out there for the idea for uh, career modes as well, because of all the microtransactions. The idea of having the uh, separate online game, like the playground being a, it's a separate game. Um, an interesting idea, Derek, but it's one that it, it might be hard to do. Uh, so I have some thoughts about this. So first off, we already have something similar to that uh, with NBA Live Mobile, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the NBA 2K mobile as well has very similar um, capabilities. So they have them as a mobile option. If you're talking about having it as a separate console option, like a separate console game, do I think that it would sell and work? I, I, I think it would sell. Uh, I think people would like it, but I also think it would take away from the, um, the promotion and marketing of their regular product. Uh, I think that the people, you know, really enjoy an all-in-one experience. They be they they enjoy being able to turn on a game like NBA 2K and have all of their stuff there. Hey, I want to jump into my team. Here, I mean, I you know, I click of a button, I'm in in my team. Mm. Uh, you know, I want to jump into online, um, regular online play, and jump into the park. Bam, I got that. You know, I'll, I want to go offline and I want to create a player or I want to play with uh, default teams against the CPU, uh, bam, I can do that. So I think what ends up happening with that is I think it takes too much away from the regular NBA 2K product, and I don't think that you would see a lot of people who would want to double dip on... I mean, it would be uh, an attempt for them to make more money if you really think about it. Um, well, well but, the suggestion here is that it would be a free-to-play, that the Ultimate Team game... NBA 2K Ultimate Team, for example, say, oh sorry, 2K, NBA 2K My Team rather, would be uh, a freemium game, free to play and supported by microtransactions, kind of like NBA Live Mobile. And you would people like say we want to buy just NBA 2K to play My NBA or My Career offline stuff, and then you would have the card collecting My Team as a um, as a free to play separate game. But, but I agree. I think I think the integration works for both the consumer and the company as far as them making money is us being yeah. able to go back okay, and forth. So, yeah, so understanding the question a little bit. So I still stand by what I said. Mm, um, agreed. And actually, I wouldn't even deviate from what I said. Um, I think that it takes too much away from what they want, and that's, you know, what consumers want, and that's an all-in-one experience on one, pl- on, you know, on one game. Um, so even with that in mind, I, I wouldn't change my approach to the question. Uh, I, I think it's a good question to ask, though, because – of the popularity of the mode. Mm. I mean, that mode is downright popular. I mean, it's ridiculously popular. Um, so, and, and by the way, you, you remember all the comments too on social media were like, people were like, nobody plays my team. I, I saw those comments. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you don't get it. A lot of people uh, do. Yeah, it's, it's a huge money maker for them. So somebody's playing, <laughs> somebody's paying yeah, for it, it as well. Exactly. But to that exactly. point, you know, I, I think if, if they did split it off and into a freemium game, the best stuff is definitely going to be pushing microtransactions even harder than they do now. And I think a lot of the people who enjoy Ultimate Team, my team, uh, as it is in the current games, and I've been getting more into my team this year as I've moved away from my career in the connected modes and, and been enjoying it, but you can enjoy it without paying. I have not paid a single cent, but I have some very good cards so far and I enjoy the experience because of that. I think if it was a separate standalone freemium game with a, a bigger focus on recurrent revenue, even more so than it is now, I think that I wouldn't have the same positive experience. I wouldn't have the same amount of uh, decent cards. I think it would kill a lot of people's interest. The whales would support it, obviously. But I think a lot of people who want the no-money-spent experience wouldn't get what they want out of that that mode because it would, they'd be at such a disadvantage. Or even if they're just playing against the CPU, they wouldn't be getting the same kind of cards and content very easily as you can now. Uh, if you package it with the rest of the game as a $60, $70 game, US, then because they're doing that because they've got your money to begin with i think that's why they feel they can afford to give away a, a certain amount of content in ultimate team and i don't think they'd do that if it was freemium yeah and i guess i'm gonna put this um 
question back on Sega Geek um, Navare is this something that you want? Is this something that you can see big picture wise? The and you can comment if you want on the NLSC on the thread that you're pretty active on. You know, is this something that you see people enjoying as as something that um, they would? double dip and even like you would stay, you know, even if it's premium or whatever, you know, still spend those microtransactions and have two separate games they're jumping into as opposed to one. Like we're, we're curious about what your thoughts are on it. Is that something that you would. And also whether it's going to be a different gameplay experience, because at the end of the day, are they going to split that into two games? Much like the, the idea of having the separate my career modes and offline and then the, the park and everything. There is, as frustrating as always online is in those modes, and as much as it has ruined the mode by trying to please both the online and the offline crowd, the fact that you can have just one, if you want to have just one player and grind them up for both offline and online use, that you don't have to uh, double up the already tremendous grind to do that, that there's, by, by connecting those modes, it, it is a huge time saver. You, you don't, and you can, that you can focus on one and then go on to the other. You can you can grind up your player in the single player micro, just dominate the NBA, get all the badges, earn all the badges, get all the VC, bigger VC payouts, and, and up your attributes, and then go online when your player is is prepared, ready ready to be competitive. So there's there, there is value to the connected experience, and there's value to connecting my team to the regular game as well. Um, I, I think the, some of the issues with my career affect gameplay more than uh, my team. The big thing in my team is is just having these overpowered cards, which which really just affects uh, my team itself. It's kind of self-contained in that respect. Um, I, I can see the idea, but is it going to be more like NBA Live Mobile, where it's got different gameplay? Is it going to be like a mobile style of gameplay? Um, I, I don't see them doing it. I, I think it would... Also, if nothing else, it would sell less copies of the, of the full version of the game. Yeah, and that's exactly... And that's what my uh, my thought process is. I still think that it, what I mentioned on a previous episode would work uh, as far as doing like a yearly subscription. At, so, at some point, same. I feel that's going to happen. If, if, yeah, they can, if, they can, if they can get to the game to a point where people are happy with it, if they're happy with it for a year or two, then they're going to sell the, okay, this is going to be NBA 2K, whatever edition. If it lasts a couple of years, you can buy the season update pack and it's going to get the roster updates for another couple of years or something like that, plus content in my team my career, et cetera. Yeah. And that's what I think. I think we're going to see that in the not so distant future, um, whether it be one company trying it or um, multiple uh, going in at once, uh, trying this new approach. Just my opinion. I, I, I don't know when, but I think that that's something we're going to see in the near future. And you know, when you talk about these modes, of course, that are very recurrent revenue heavy, there's, there's legislation all the time. There's legislation in, uh, various European countries at the moment. They've talked about it in the UK. Uh, there have been bills uh, discussed in the US as well. If it, if it ever comes to a point where there is a ban on microtransactions, then these these modes, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach these modes in uh, in 2K. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get us one way or another. Mm. I know that sounds incredibly negative, but they're going to get us one way or another. If it's not microtransactions, it will be a, hi- a hike up of the original price of the game um more dlc as opposed to microtransactions 
You know what I mean? Like, hey, you want this team? You want this player? You want this? Um, well, now it's going to be DLC, and we skirt by. You know what I mean? We're not. We're no longer doing microtransactions. It's technically DLC, so you can't get us. So I think that business is business, and that's what's going to end up happening, right or wrong. Uh, that's just my opinion. And that seems like a pretty negative outlook, but that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, that is the nature of the gaming business at the moment. Jim Sterling. I have a reason yeah. to be negative. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at look at Jim Sterling's videos. They have gone into tremendous detail about the all the problems in this regard, and they always speak up on that issue. And uh, you know, thankful for them for doing that. With DLC, you know, I think of the uh, WWE games, the WWE 2K games, especially. It's, it's really ramped up since, you know, funnily enough, since 2K has come under their umbrella. But there's a lot of DLC. Like they're taking out certain wrestlers, historical wrestlers, or, or you know, legendary wrestlers, or current ones, and they're making them DLC packs and pre and pre and you know, my... pre-order bonuses. Yeah. We could easily see that, and and that's because they don't have microtransactions in WWE 2K, but they do have a lot of DLC for content uh, from the wrestlers to story modes and things like that. We could definitely see that if if 2K can't make money off recurrent revenue for NBA 2K moving forward because of legislation. DLC, I don't see them regulating that at all because it's it's an add-on pack, just like anything. But that's when we might see, oh, and if you want the all the all these historical teams, all these retro teams, we saw that in uh, in two K was it two K seventeen, the the Dream Teams was a was a pre-order exclusive. Yeah, it, they they're doing the same thing with tennis games right now. Um, like Tennis World Tour, in order to get Rafael Nadal, you had to um, buy him for like five bucks, DLC. Um, it wasn't a microtransaction, it was DLC. In the new um, Tennis World Tour 2, they have DLC to get certain players as well, and venues. Like, hey, you want to play at this real venue? Boom, four bucks, three bucks, etc. And, you know, other games are doing this by the hundreds. Uh, you know, Monster Hunter World for different outfits, uh, Elder Scrolls Online, um, Fallout, Fallout 76, so, yeah, yeah. All out, right, exactly. They're they're loaded with DLC um, to get different skins, to access different areas. I can't even tell you how many different areas you have to pay for in Elder Scrolls Online. Sure, the game is 60 bucks. Sure, you know, originally, sure, there's no subscription fee. But if you want to access more than, say, 20% of the map, you better pony up. And yeah. it's all under DLC, and it's all labeled as DLC. It is the way of games, unfortunately. But as far as whether I think they would be better off... I don't think it's really going to benefit the game, the developers, or us to really split the two. I mean, I, I see the, the arguments for doing that, whether it's my team or my career or the connected modes in my career. But I think for all the, the challenges that it brings and sometimes the, the drawbacks, having it all in the one game under that one umbrella and being able to go back and forth and, and not have to... you know, if, As it is, if you want to earn VC... In, uh, in my career, it's, at a certain point, you're still earning VC, but you've maxed out your player. You can then take that VC into my team and use that to buy it on packs. You've, you've earned it in the game. It's just sitting there. It's going to expire when the servers get shut off for the game. So that's, you know, that, that's basically what I've, what I've done in my career in the past. Once I've used up all the VC and have nothing, nothing left to buy in my career, go into my team and, and use it on some packs because I've already earned it. It's free, basically, at that point. So I, I think having it all under that one game is ultimately more beneficial. It, the benefits outweigh the drawbacks, I'll, I'll say. Right, exactly. Uh, but I do want to hear what he has to say as well. I mean, what, what, I want to know what his take is on it, why he thought of the question, and what he believes would be accomplished 
by doing this and if he actually thinks um, gamers might gravitate to the towards that type of model and having those two separate setups so um, yeah, definitely let yeah. us know D- definitely because there might be something that we're overlooking a, a key point here so uh, let, let us know um yeah what, what model you're kind of looking at with that that'd be very interesting and uh and thank you once again for both questions this week and the uh, further three questions i'm looking at here because we will get to them uh great questions and uh some stuff that we're going to enjoy talking about moving forward no, absolutely. Thanks for interacting, and thanks for all of the people who are listening to the show weekly and interacting with us. We love it, and like I said, you know, it's just more motivation for us to do the show, to be completely honest. Oh, yeah. So. The interaction, the sharing the show, the, the kind words. Again, uh, Segi Navari has, has said some very nice things about the show. We're very glad that you're uh, enjoying it and others are enjoying it as well. A shout-out to Nate for some kind comments as well on the, on the show and uh, all of our other uh, loyal listeners who seem to be enjoying us getting on here and talking about basketball games, uh, even when we sound like... Uh, even when we sound like grumpy old men sometimes, but people seem to like it, so I guess we're uh, we must be doing something right. Exactly. I will say though, I'm not going to back off my stance on shepherd's pie. <laughs> it's, Con- it's set in stone. Controversial. Start the hashtag. That has brought us to the end of episode number 371 of the NLC podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you'd like to get involved with the mailbag, you can email us at podcast at mba-live.com or hit us up in the forum or any of our social media channels. The NLC podcast comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. Search for the NLC podcast on those platforms, look for our logo, and that will be us. Please feel free to leave us a hopefully positive review on Apple Podcasts and any other platform that invites reviews. But as long as you're tuning into the show and enjoying it, that is the main thing. And as we wrap up, Derek, where can we find you on socials? And is there anything else you want to plug before we call it a week? No, absolutely. Um, tune into um, Holding Court with D for 3, episode 16. If you have a chance, we recorded that last weekend. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Audible, CLNS Media, and so many different podcasting pla- um, podcasting uh, platforms. Definitely check us out there. Um, and of course, Andrew was my guest again on episode 16, and that was a really fun conversation. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384, where I'm the most active on um, Instagram, D for 384, on NLSC, D for 3, and my YouTube channel for basketball gaming videos um, and tutorials, uh, D for 3. As I said at the top of the show, I am Andrew NLSC on Twitter and Andrew in the forum. The NLSC itself is on social media. On Facebook and Twitter, we are the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>